Hey guys, this Saturday, don't miss it. Our online workshop, Navigating a Season of Transition, it's going down, y'all. You're going to hear from our very special guest, Doug Addison. And we're so excited about this Saturday. Make sure to join us. If you'd like to know more information or register, check the show notes or go to mattanddesgonzales.com. Hope to see you there. The Matt and Dez Experience, Season 2. Let's go! Thanks for joining us for season two. Join the conversation with Matt, Dez, and friends as they share how to transform culture through family. Hey guys, welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. And I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. Hey guys, on today's show, we have some of our great friends, Keith and Heather Ferrante, and we're having a conversation about family. And so we're so excited to have them on the show today. What is going on, Keith and Heather? Yo, yo, hey, good, good to morning. see you. Good to hear you guys. Hey guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so excited yeah, to have we're, you. We're practicing our social distance right now as we're doing an <laughs> online interview with mm-hmm. y'all. That's right. <laughs> but hey, would you tell the listener a little bit about you guys, your passion, a little bit what you do, and just kind of bring them into who are the Ferrantes? The Ferrantes met, Heather and I met in Bible college in uh, 96, five, somewhere in there, got married in 97. Oh, 96. Yeah. yeah 96. Got married in 97. A year later, we were quick when we found we were the right ones. And then she's from St. Louis and I'm from California. And I'm like, we're going out to California. So we went out, started youth pastoring the church. My dad had pastored. And uh, within six months, the pastor that was there at the time, who was after my dad, he, he was burned out. He left. So the church voted us in. So we started pastoring at 23. You're thrown into the deep end and stepped into renewal and the presence and the power and the prophetic probably within a year or two after that. And I mean, Heather was a few years ahead of me. So she was already kind of dabbling in that stuff. But I was a resistor till I got rocked. <laughs> Jumped in, met and we started connecting with a bunch of prophets like Chris Valentin and Dano and, and people like Martin Scott, people from other play, other countries and Wendell McGowan and. Uh, we went on this journey of of really learning. I mean, our greatest cry at that time was to be fathered and mothered. Mm-hmm. Like that was our cry. It wasn't about the prophetic. We didn't even really know about the prophetic. Wow. And but the Lord brought us prophetic fathers and mothers, a couple mm-hmm. apostles, and you know some pastors and some good other folks. And we just stepped into uh, learning that the Father loved us. And in that journey, we started hearing Him and started stepping into the prophetic and getting a lot stronger in that. And then we pastored for 10 years in, the, in that particular journey and then moved over to Vacaville where Dano and David invited us to help them run a, their supernatural school. And, and we planted a school over in Fiji for them. And we've been here in Vacaville for about 12 years. Come on. And about five, six years ago, Dano was like, Keith, I think you need to run. You need to develop a ministry that encompasses who you guys are best and or who you are, Keith. And I think that is about profits and raising up profits. So I launched into that and we stepped out. Of, we were on the, the team at the church and we stepped out of the team and Heather jumped into uh, mm. cosmetology. You I went to school cosmetology. of a dream that was in your heart. Yeah. So I had really been involved in the church and I had really seen a shift when my kids started getting a little bit older. So in the junior high years and things like that, I noticed that they were needing Keith and I to be more present and more home with them and just more available. And we had never, you know, gone through the teenage years yet, but we were starting into that journey. And so 
one of the things that I was really starting to ask myself is like, okay, do I really want to spend all of my time at the church? We, and we had been traveling quite a bit then as well, um, even internationally. And so I kept seeing, I, I would see ministers and missionaries and all these different people, um, you know, serving and serving and giving and giving, which is amazing. But on the flip side of it, their families would suffer and their children would suffer. And that really broke my heart as a mom. And I just kind of put a stake in the sand and said, you know what? I'm not going to let that be our family. Like I, I'm not, that's not going to happen for us. Like I do not want that lifestyle Um, because we can, we choose the lifestyle, you know, we choose to walk in the lifestyle that we want to create and we create that. And so I really feel like, um, that was part of my own personal journey. So I actually, Grace started lifting from me being at the church all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working as the head of the worship department, leading worship, you know, almost every Sunday. And then also overseeing our children's ministry and being a part of core team. And so I could just see the Grace was just like one by one. Things just started kind of lifting. And my heart was being drawn more and more into um, into family. And, and it it's not that it wasn't in family, but I just really, it was something deeper that the Holy Spirit was doing inside of my heart. And it really was Malachi 4, the hearts of the fathers being turned to the children and the children to the fathers. And um, yeah, so so that kind of started happening. And so when I started pulling out of those different spaces in the local church environment, I I knew I had a conversation, just a real talk conversation with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, God, you know, like, I am not good just to sit home. Like, I am not a stay-at-home mom that just likes to sit home and just be there in their space and cook and clean all day. Like, that is not how I'm wired. And I just asked him, I'm like, okay, God, like, what can I do? What is there that, you know, what's stirring in my heart? What can I do in a local, on the local expression, like, even out in the community? What can I do? And I asked myself a question that I often ask people when I travel around the world. I said, you know, Heather, if time or money weren't an issue for you, what would you be doing? So good. And I just kind of reflected on that one night and realized that I had really been doing so many of the dreams that were already in my heart. And I was like, wow, Lord. And I just, just had this aha moment, like, God, thank you so much for what you already have done. Like I'm not even 40 years old yet. And I've traveled to over 20 something countries. Like we have a beautiful family. We have an amazing marriage. You know, we senior pastored for almost 11 years. Now we've been doing life and ministry and helping build a local church. And all of those things were in my heart. And there was one thing though, that was still in my heart that I hadn't done. And I always thought I'm like, okay, either it's a pipe dream or it just needs to go away because I would think about it. And so, um, that was going to beauty school and doing hair and being available for people. Like even when we do travel and go to the nations, like being able to love on, you know, people that are serving all around the world. And so I, got in my car and I drove to the local beauty school and I got out one day and I went in and just took a tour just on a random whim. And, um, the rest is history. Now I'm four years in and I'm working behind the chair. I went to beauty school. God just like provided this amazing opportunity for me to win this huge national scholarship paid for half of my education 
Um, I mean, God's just, God's just been along the journey and it's been something that I was able to do while I was home with my kids in their teenage years. So So it's been really an amazing journey. And it's, it's been interesting because when you have been in full-time vocational ministry for, you know, 20 years, and then you're not, you're all of a sudden not in that space. You know, it took me a moment because I had to really like figure out what, who I was, because identity was so wrapped around being in the local church and just, and yeah, people just kind of look to you as a leader. And then when I was, when you're not a leader, all of a sudden in people's eyes, you know, in God's eyes, you are, but in people's eyes, like we can go into the mission now and people don't even know who we are. It's really, really strange actually, but yeah. So it's been a, quite a journey for us. You know what I love? You just gave permission to break the mold. And this is what I heard you say. I, I this is this is fire. I love this. So I mean, so many times what happens, especially in the ministry context, is that there is a mold where the priority is serving everybody but your family. Mm. And you chose to actually put family first because you put family first. God says, "Hey, here's your dream in your heart. You've wanted to do. Now I'm going to make way because you chose the right thing to put what is first." broke the mold and serving and loving your family. And now you're seeing a dream that you thought maybe was a pipe dream unfolding. I mean, I love this. This is so good. And it's, it's kind of crazy, girl. You're speaking my language. Like (laughs) we're here, like everything in your journey and what you guys have done. I'm like, I'm kind of like, Oh snap. Our journeys are so similar. It's crazy. And I feel like I'm kind of where you were about five years ago. (laughs) And so it's really cool just to glean from you guys and everything that you've learned because, you know, God kind of the process started for me in the same way you described it about two years ago when we moved to Vacaville (laughs) and just has an effect on you, you know, and I was in that place, you know, where I'm like, okay, I've been doing this thing and we've been in ministry for all this time, but now I get to, I felt this this burden lift that maybe I put on myself and I, I had permission now to see what was in my heart, you know, and I'm still in that discovery mode, but I just love your language. And I love how, like Matt said, like you chose it to say, God, this is my priority. Yeah. This yeah. is because it's your priority. It's my priority. Therefore he's honoring it and blessing it. And he just opened all those doors. And I just love that because there's so many women, especially that are in that same place and yeah. they, they haven't broken out yet. They're just like, they're under this self-expectation, this burden, this, whatever it is. Bondage. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just feel like there's just freedom being released. Even as you share your story, it's awesome. And you guys, just for the listener, uh, Keith and Heather have been such a staple of the mission church and mm. they have done so many things over the years. You guys have had such a grace to do everything. And because of that, you've really left a foundation and and you've created an inheritance at yeah. the actual mission, mission really. church that a lot of people are experiencing breakthrough. And it's just so awesome because you guys have had a rich history and still do. And even though I know it's, so many things have changed as far as like new people coming to the mission and stuff, but we just uh, we just honor you guys because you guys have been such a voice and a, and a platform and just yeah. left such a uh, have such a legacy and inheritance there that others are able to uh, come into a place of freedom. And so, uh, man, it's it's been it's been a blessing for us. I mean, we've had some amazing talks 
I know Keith at uh, coffee shops and just, I mean, you've been such a, a, just a, not only just a friend, but really given some amazing wisdom and revelation. And so we just, yeah. uh, we love you guys. And yeah. it's so cool, Heather, to hear your journey. Cause I've never heard this. This is so awesome. Just the, uh, the content of just that, that discovery and how many, I mean, we talked to so many, uh, just, you know, uh, whether it's ministry leaders or pastors who deal with that, because there's just that pressure. There's that mold to have to do something to serve, 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 and, and, and put everybody else's needs first and not really understand the needs of the family or even some of the dreams and desires and aspirations you have. So this is so good. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, and you guys kind of made mention is part of your story that, you know, you went through the season of pastoring, but you guys are prophets. And so (sighs) what is, can you share a little bit about that journey? And I, you emphasize that God brought fathers and mothers into your life to kind of um, bring that out of you. What, What was that journey for you like? And how did pastoring play a role in that journey? Well, I think um, for us, the prophet piece, like I shared earlier, was about uh, fathers. We had it in our heart to, to be fathered and mothered. And that was, it wasn't prophets. We didn't have that on our radar at all. Mm-hmm. We were just so excited for this favor that came where we were, we'd start to meet Chris Ballatin, who's, you know, over with Bethel. And for about 20 years ago, we would start meeting with him every couple months. We'd go over and see him. There was doors open with him, other prophets like Wendell. And we were just excited to be fathered and mothered. Like the Lord brought Martin Scott and Don Potter. And I mean, just so many. And I I mean, people were like, how how do you have access to all these guys? We were pastoring this little dinky church, about 100 people out in the middle of nowhere in a little town called Willits. And it's like, how, how come these, they would come to our church and they would come and stay in our house. So when our kids were little, we had like Danny Silk walking hand in hand with us, like through parenting our kids, crazy testimonies of our kids. Like, yeah. So it was really cool. We had them in our home. So I think it was, I mean, I love that you guys are doing this, uh, prophetic family of this, Mm -hmm. this, and you said, you said yes to that mandate because to me, that's the prophetic mandate of God. And I feel good. I feel great about you guys in the season. You're in at the mission too, because you're taking that baton and running farther with it than where, where we're at. That just makes me happy. But I think for us, it's like this prophetic mandate for family started with fathers first and us learning how to be sons and daughters and be loved, be accepted. And then we did have favor to travel, but way back then. And some of those guys invited us to travel with them other places. And our favor was the, the prophetic quickly grew. We started um, I remember uh, we were traveling to Brazil and England and this and that with Martin Scott and others. And it's like Chris, though, Chris Fountain was a main coach in that season. He's like he was trying to get us to prioritize family yeah. mm-hmm. and prioritize the right things. Because back then the dream was like dream, dream, ministry, travel, travel. The world. And we loved yeah. that. It was really fulfilling. And of course, I mean, people loved it. But it's like our home wasn't our church wasn't very relational. Our, our the way I led was from the model that was handed down to me in my denomination. It was a little more hierarchical. It wasn't friend based. It wasn't peer based. It was you're the leader and those are the sheep and there was a divide. And so there was a lot of stuff that needed to be uh, tweaked. So after a while, Chris was like, "You either need to stop pastoring or stop traveling because I think you're miss you're not catching what God's trying to do." 
And I mean, he'd been doing a lot of coaching on our marriage, on our finances, on our kids, on my leadership skills, on team, everything. It was like, it kind of culminated after five or six years. He's like, either stop traveling or stop pastoring. And so I think we were learning the value system back then yeah. of family and getting the priority. And I, and, 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 and I think sometimes people, they want the dreams. They want to pursue their dream. But, and, and I hear this, this is where it gets off. It's like, oh yeah, I got to pursue my dream. I'm like, yes, but family first, mm-hmm. family yes. first. Mm-hmm. And we're all about the dreams. I'm all about Heather's dream being fulfilled. My kids dreams, wow. mine. But there's a, there's a, how does this make sure to protect the family? Yeah, there is an almost an order. Like God sets it in order. It's like God, family, you know, relation, all of that stuff. But one thing that really stood out to me in that season was that Chris was so gracious with us because we were learning. We were, we were brand new in this whole thing. I mean, back in 99, we were going and having these meetings and having these conversations and he was having real talk with us. He was like, okay guys, like, how are you doing today? How are you really doing? How's your sex life doing? Let's talk about sex for a little while and let's dive dive into these like personal areas between your marriage and how are you doing with your kids and your relationships and with people in your church. Like it was really about relationship, 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 and just really having those really hard conversations that a lot of people, especially in the church, don't ever want to have. They're like, oh, let's, you know, sex is that and that's private and we don't talk about that. And, Mm -hmm. you know. He, he my, was like my, even after it with us. My gauge yeah. always in training up prophetic people is health. And I can hear some amazing prophetic voices. And even in our own world that we're, where we're training, you'll hear someone give an amazing word. And I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like blah, like blah, noise. blah. It's just because noise. There's, a, there's a spirit underneath it that's like something's not right in there. Something. I don't know what it is. And I'm not like trying to poke and find it. I don't want to be that guy that is like always you know, trying to find what's wrong with everybody. But we try to create that safe culture, just like Chris did with us and others did with us so that we would want to come open. And and mm-hmm. because there's this power in the prophetic when there's nothing hidden. And, and that really, that is the culture of family, the kingdom family, the kingdom family. If it's really family, it will not have performance in it. And Chris mm-hmm. was saying this to us years ago, he said, Keith, the reason why you and Heather are going to, uh, he said, I can see your ministry and it's going to make a huge impact. It's going to go way beyond where others' ministries have gone because you've let every area of your life be spoken into and you don't live and hide anything. And I mean, it was at times, it, you know, Chris would say, how you doing, Keith? I'm like, praise the Lord. I'm great. Because that was my <laughs> charismatic roots. Y'all praise the Lord. We're winning souls. We're praying. We're fasting. And then he would say, Heather, how's Keith really doing? And he had to train me to start learning to embrace vulnerability because I was used to performance. And so I think that's what fathers and mothers did. I I see it the same in my world all the time. Now the prophetic people that, you know, they want to present their best game all the time. I mean, I've had even people in my local schools where they've been in our school for three years. And I'm like, I love you. But I can tell there's something under there that's that's hidden. And like I said, I'm trying to create a safe culture. And some people will say, hey, well, Keith, how come you didn't see that spot out that? Because what happens is if they don't come open with something, it'll tumble out in a really embarrassing way for them. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, 
it'll be devastating. I mean, we've experienced that over and over again. And people would say, well, if you're really a prophet, how come you didn't see that? And we're saying, well, you know what? In the new covenant, we know there's something there, but we're not looking for it because that's not good to always be looking like as family, as fathers. Like like Chris would ask the questions and 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 it, we'd have to we'd have to own it and and you know and he started having to hammer down on me because I was having a hard time being real. Mm-hmm. He eventually said, "You might need to get another mentor because I don't want to feel like I'm hurting you and I feel like you're you're resisting." And mm-hmm. and, I, and I had that was a turning point for me when the Lord had to say, "Keith, do you trust that I brought these guys into your life? You need to learn how to trust." And that the issue was trust. Mm-hmm. The issue to me in the prophetic, why why we see so many, I mean, you, 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 you and I, I mean, we all know how many people have fallen that are amazing prophetic people yeah. Yeah. have fallen so morally are divorced are, uh, and we're not saying there's not second chances. Praise the Lord for all that. Yeah. Right. You know, there's, there's, they can't be, they can still be amazing, but you know, we're not throwing them in that bus, but we're like, because I, I understand it's by God's grace. We're not in that place because we were, we grew up in that culture where you had to perform. Right. And the prophets had to be, you know, I remember asking Bob John, or uh, Bobby Connor this. I said, Bobby, how come people like Paul Kane and others fell? Because he walked with some of them and helped them on their journey. And he said they were elevated by the people and separated from their peers. Sure. And that's how they fell. In other words, they disc, they were they were the prophetic elevated them. They weren't healthy. So they, you know, this is the thing with prophetic people. They get elevated because they never found love in family. Yep. So they find love in prophetic. And all of a sudden, they they have to be the only one because now they need all the affirmation flowing to them. And what happened? They're, they're like Samson. They, they're the only guy. And eventually, they, they're, they're getting false comforters. They're getting, you know, they're, they're, they're wow. go to false comforters because they don't have real intimacy. Yeah. yeah. And I think with that, I think people get used to, you know, almost just the routine of, you know, we'll go to church, we'll go and, you know, if we can say hello and greet people and in their mind, they're thinking, oh, people know me because I come to this church or (laughs) I go to this event or conference or whatever. It's like your face shows up all the time and, you know, you, you hop from conference to conference and meeting to meeting. And the reality is, is nobody really knows you. There isn't intimacy. There isn't like you act like there's an intimacy, but there really isn't an intimacy. Um, I like to use the illustration like this. Think about like playing, you know, we're talking about family, playing Legos with your kids. You know, the kids never want to, you know, sometimes they may like count the Legos and put them in a pile. But I think there's a difference between gathering Legos in a pile and then building something. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important that like the structure of like pulling people in and like imagine like a church, just church meeting in general is like people come to the church and there's just a pile of Legos. But then what happens when people are actually known and there's something happening, there's connection happening, like things are being built, things are foundations are built fun things, cool things can come out of it. And I feel like that's a lot of times what happens like with these different things. There's just, when connection happens, there's something that's being built that can last. That's, 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 why, we, that's cool. why we need to define community 
as uh, uh, we need to define it because community and home and family is our buzzwords and we love them, but it's like, okay, well, what is prophetic to me? And I like what Heather's saying. It's being known who knows you. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, we, we had these foundations built in us for a lot of years and even so, you know, the favor opened up again after we left pastoring and we were at the mission. Then I'm in a season where I'm traveling, itinerating all the world. And you guys know how that is. Yeah. I'm itinerating all over the world. And for some, it's like, oh, well, that's so glamorous. And we know it isn't. It's not glamorous. It is, you know, it's not glamorous when it is meant to be, it, when it's, when you're doing it because of your finances. And, right. and that's your ministry. Because when you leave pastoring and maybe salary from pastoring, it's like this is another model for prophetic ministers is itinerating, and so here here we are traveling. I'm traveling, I think more uh, all yeah, around the world. The and um and and I'm like I get to this one country and I'm getting the heck beat out of me. I'm getting just beat up, and it had been kind of building for some months, but this one country just started clobbering me, and I and and you know it was like Jezebel came into my room. We were there for ten days, and I was just getting clobbered, and. It, and I realized I am lonely. Here I have all this ministry, all these ministry. I have, I, I mean, I still have a good marriage at the time and I love my kids, but I am lonely and I have all these ministry friends, but I'm like, so Heather had her girlfriends and they would hang out all the time. And I didn't have that built into me. I'm like, I had my ministry friends and I'm realizing that it's not the level that I was needing it was not the depth of connection that was and so I, I i it was a turning point for us it was like you know what we need to stop i need to stop traveling i need to fix this problem because it was starting to draw in the enemy it, the enemy was like relentlessly yeah. coming and so it was like the foundation is off a little bit yep. and, and i think for me one of the things i've realized is that prophetic people oftentimes they may have their ministry but they won't have their family or some of them have their family, but they don't have their, their dream, their ministry. Or right. some of them have their prophetic, you know, they have their ministry and they have their family, but they don't have finances. And I realized the three pillars that really need to, we need to intentionally discover a model for is how do we have the family life that is healthy, which includes friends, because that's what I was missing. I had, I had my wife and kids, but as soon as Heather would go out with the girlfriends, I'm lonely because I built my whole world around her. And, you know, maybe ministry. So I realized my base as a prophetic person, because we can be kind of loner, loner-ish, is like needed to grow. And But it's like the foundation needs to be family, purpose, and finances to have a healthy prophetic ministry. One or two of those either usually suffers. And so, like, I, I really believe we have found a model that works now, that we, we do have the family rhythm. We do have the finances that works and we have the ministry, the dream piece. And it's like, but we had to stop that piece, the I traveling and then um, to, to find another level. That's so good. You know, one of the things I love is your guys's authenticity because you can't, mm-hmm. you, you can't create family without authenticity. And I know uh, one of the books that you have, you have, uh, you know, you get your author and you have quite a few books out, but one of the books that, I feel like it's so even timely right now. It's a prophetic mandate was reforming the church from a house to a home. And it's so interesting because, you know, we started a online show at the mission church from a house to home, not knowing that you had a book with that title. Someone told me about it. They were like, Hey, have you read Keith's book? So 
uh, I knew it was reforming the church, but I didn't know it was the uh, actual title for my house to home. So that hit me so hard. One of the things I love is your authenticity in the book. I mean, you mm-hmm. talk about, there's a story in there. You talk about how you were about, you guys were about to lead worship and you were going to preach and you drive up to church one Sunday and you guys were just kind of just going at it. We've, <laughs> we, I was like, oh my word, <laughs> this sounds too familiar, but your authenticity and vulnerability in the book of sharing that story, then going on the stage and then Heather, you just being just transparent from the mic. I mean, that whole story so hit me in the heart because it's so real. Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what, what's been the uh, driving force between your authenticity, vulnerability, sharing stories like that? Because many times ministers, pastors, prophets, any times the leaders that's looked down as weakness and you don't share those. And then so what happens, nobody actually really gets freedom because they don't have permission or a actual story that they feel like they can connect to. Well, yeah. And I feel like even you saying like everyone comes and they're there. So you assume like, oh, people know each other. But in my opinion, you know, we have to model it or they won't, you know? So, yeah. (laughs) I I think for me, where this comes from for me was really my upbringing. And I saw numbers of pastors, leaders falling morally along the way. And, And I had little pockets of it in my own family line um, and, uh, and I have, you know, generations of pastors and missionaries in my family line. And I'm like, Lord, I want to be a Joseph. I want to go the distance. I want to be married to one wife, have two kids. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to go to the top, whatever that is for me. And I want to be able to stay there. So I don't want to get to the top too quick and not have built the framework. Uh, you know, we want everyone to go to the top. In, in other words, the the fullness of their destiny right. uh, and get there. But I saw too many guys go to that top. They get to their prophetic destiny and kerplop. Yeah. And I'm like, the culture's not built right in the culture of vulnerability. So I'm like, our, our, our church denomination was not built for vulnerability. It's like, if you even shared with somebody as a pastor that you had something wrong with you, say, say for instance, you had like a, an, a, you know, the one that we would all know, like a pornography addiction or something like, um, like that would be most familiar to people. Maybe it's like, boom, out, you're gone. You're like separated for two years under a discipline. And it's like, so what does a pastor do? They hide it. They still yeah. have it. They hide it. And then it grows up. And then when it finally kerplops, it's maybe attached now to a real affair. It's become, it's yeah. become, uh, you know, all this, it destroys everybody. Everyone's devastated. The church is hurt. People have such a long time recovering. So I saw that model and so back then I was, I was vulnerable. I just didn't have fathers to affirm me. So I, I was fighting for vulnerability, but I didn't have, so I had a lot of shame because I'd be vulnerable and that people would guilt me. Okay. And, and I was a very clean guy. I was, I had fought, I wasn't like jumping out. I didn't have one of those testimonies of drugs and alcohol and sex and everything, but I had so much fear of falling. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be you know, any thoughts that I'd wrestle through, I'd be telling fathers, you know, I lusted after this person or I hated this person in my church or, you know, whatever, <laughs> I this person, whatever. I'd be real about anything. Come and, on. and then, then I had to learn to a lot of pain actually it took a while because I learned people couldn't handle vulnerability. Certain people in the team, in our leadership team would then look down on you as a pastor if you were real. So I had to learn to build a culture of real, I had to learn to build a culture of we're not going to judge. That's set up being vulnerable, set it up so people I could it would succeed, and then realize who could handle my vulnerability and couldn't. 
And, and then after that, we started building the culture. So that's that book, Reforming the Church from a House to a Home, is wow. really just looking at how to build a culture of vulnerability in a church. But it really starts with a culture of vulnerability in yourself first. And, and I love it. I mean, I absolutely loved, like one of our first experiments that worked was, uh, for me, was uh, running a men's group around the Wild at Heart book yeah. and um, uh, John Elridge. And it, it, we, we went through the workbook together as guys and we'd have breakfast every Saturday. And, and then, you know, in the book, you ask questions. So I, I would facilitate the group and I'd ask questions. But every time I would ask the questions, I say, guys, I'm going to ask some questions that are going to create vulnerability in the group. And then but I don't want anybody else to fix. This is not the time to fix people when they share their struggles. This isn't the time to give them a scripture verse. This isn't the time to feel sorry and bad about them. And so for about 10 weeks, we did that. And every week, some guy, even though I set it up every time, would have to fix somebody, would have to share a scripture, would have to say, brother, I was there. And then the Lord, you know, helped me through and he'll help you too. And I said, this is the thing that actually hurts vulnerability. Yeah. It's, it's a religious elitism. It's why it's like you're acting all elite and reality is there's stuff in your own life that, and so, but after about 10 weeks, I, I went after it every week. I, I would call people on it, go after it. And after 10, 12 weeks, finally, there was one guy in our group that had never shared. He poured out his heart about these things. I'd never heard this about him. He was bawling and nobody fixed him. Everyone just was around, protected the vulnerability, didn't make him feel less than because he was sharing this. And we started having this. I mean, some of the guys were like, that was my the best thing that you ever did pastoring. That was our favorite time in the whole 10 years. And we learned how to start building those cultures. Like, mm-hmm. and we fought. And that is, that's our um, that's like one of our life mottos is 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 like being known. And who can know me? And learning, you know, who can handle this much of me and and who can't? And I and you testing it out, like. Testing out, like we learned this illustration of, it's kind of like, I used to be vulnerable. It's like you, you throw out everything and it's it's like jumping in the pool naked. Sorry for this illustration. <laughs> and everyone's standing around watching you fully clothed on the outside. And it's like one of my mentors is like, Keith, you're doing that. You're being vulnerable, but it's way too much. And it's like, you need to take your socks off and see if they'll take their socks off. And then like let vulnerability grow and see how they handle your dirty feet, first of all. Before you, you know, like if they can protect your vulnerability, then you can go deeper and you start building this culture. And uh, so that, I mean, that's been our journey. And even in, even in when, when I was youth pastoring, we, you know, we really started trying to fight for that because our, our youth group had a lot of moral issues in it. And these were church kids. Yep. These were, these were church kids grown up in prophetic circles. And it's like prophesying machines and worship songs that were great. And, I'm like these kids were in sexting and pornography and drugs and like uh, like sexual problems. I mean, just everything. I'm like, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> and you know, and the prophet side is like, this is wrong. But then I'm like, what is the other side of the prophet? His father. Okay, how do we create a family culture where they'll feel safe enough to begin wow. to let their guard down? Yes. And where they can get healed, confess your sins, you can get healed. And so they're not going to let their guard down if they feel like they're going to be judged. So good. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a lot in this conversation, but yeah. we've we, we walked that journey and we love it. We, we believe yeah. 100% in it. How about for you, Heather? What's been that journey? Because I know 
you've been such a great model of authenticity and vulnerability too. And and I know even just how we started off this uh, episode, I mean, you were vulnerable and shared your journey, which I love. And so what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think just part of my journey has always been, I've been in the church and then outside the church, like our whole entire married life. I've always either worked it's like I've had one foot in both worlds. And I love that because I really believe that we're called to be salt and light. Come and on, we need to be out there. And the, the church needs to be out there in the community. We need to be that light. Because if we're always in the church, then it's like we get inbred. We get we get spiritually fat because we're just like, take it in, take it in, take it in. But we need an outlet. We need to be able to get out somehow. And I think that's always been a fiery place in my heart. It's like, we talk about shining and shining bright and letting our light shine and all of that. But it's like, if we're only doing that in the four walls of the church, then I don't know. I think we need to really question that. And wow. so part of my journey with even going back to school and um, just being in, in that world, like that was the season that Keith was just talking about with being in, involved in our youth group. And we were, he was seeing this, we were seeing this at a whole nother level with all of the sexual immorality and things like that, that were just kind of like blatant in our face. And we had kids in the youth ourselves. So I think that's been part of the reason that we're like, hold on a second. There's a lot going on with our kids, with our teenagers that it's hidden. You know, we don't know about it. We think we have tabs on everything, even as godly parents and prophetic parents were in their world, but there's stuff going on behind the scenes that none of us even know about and don't even have a grid, don't have access to like even the tools to know how to like have an understanding of what they're actually walking through. And so I had gone to beauty school. It was my very first week of school and the Lord taught me a really, really valuable lesson. And I was getting ready to do a facial, learning how to do a facial and I had my whole table set up. I had one of my, you know, classmates on the table in front of me and I just, I froze. And I was like, why am I having such a hard time trying to put into practice what I just learned? And I could not, I couldn't get into the space. Like I was trying to get my hands going the right way. Nothing was working for me. And so I raised my hand and I was like, Hey, Miss Anita, can you come over here and help me? I'm really struggling. And she came up to me and she got in my face, like literally like four inches away from my nose in my face. And she said to me, she goes, Heather, she said, you're going to have to get rid of this bubble that you have around yourself before you're ever going to be able to touch um, people's lives and bring change. And I was like, oh, okay, hold on a second. Holy Spirit, there's like a major, major like God revelation in what she did. She's not a believer. And she says this to me and I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Like, why, why am I having a hard time? Like what's going on here? And he said, Heather, he goes, you've been in the church for how many years? And keep in mind, I had had my other foot in the world and I had been working in the marketplace too, like through those years. But I think oftentimes, and for me, this is what had happened. And I think it could be for more of us than just myself. Even in the church, we create this bubble around us and call it protection, call it whatever we you will. But so what it is, it, it actually ends up being that, uh, 
what's it, let's say a Matthew, the bushel that hides the light. Like it mm. creates this barrier around us that keeps us from shining bright, shining God's light in the way that he would have us to. And, um, and we call it protection. And I feel like, like God showed that to me. He's like, Heather, he's like, you're protecting yourself from all of the bad things that are trying to get in. Like, yes, you've done a good job of, you know, keeping your boundaries in place. And, you know, we pray it all the time. God, would just pray a fiery hedge of protection around us and our kids and our families. And yes, want that. Absolutely. hundred percent. But on the flip side of it, I think we can become religious in doing that too, that it actually creates that barrier. It becomes that fence to keep people out of our space and keep them out of that place of vulnerability. And I think it's so important that we do have those heart checks along the way because people crave authenticity. They crave being real. Like if you're out in the world, like people want real, they don't want fake. And I feel like sometimes that is what we see, you know, when we, we come in, you know, Sunday after Sunday and we put on our happy faces. And, and I think through this last four years, it just made me realize like, I don't want to live in that space. I don't want to put on a mask. Like I don't want to put on this thing that everything is hundred percent. Okay. All the time. Like, yes, God is with me. God is in me. Like he lives and breathes and, you know, we walk together hand in hand, but there are things that like some days, you know, it's really hard being a parent of teenagers. Like there's a struggle and it's real. And I feel like people need to hear those stories. They need to see that reality. Even if people that are church leaders, because we're not perfect. We, we walk through life, go through life and real things happen. And we cry. There are tears. Like we're sad about things like (laughs) things change. And, you know, our kids are walking through really, really hard things. And sometimes there's not even a a safety place that you can feel safe. Like even within brothers and sisters in Christ, because like what Keith was talking about, you know, people just want to jump on the fix it bandwagon and, and fix something. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like, I just need to talk. I just need to process. Like, can you just be a listening friend right now rather than like jumping on and giving me advice after advice after advice. And so don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the body of Christ. I love like being in the world and being able to connect people and be that light and shine bright. But I just feel like there are those cracks in our foundation sometimes that God is just really wanting to bring healing and um, restoration and and create just that solid foundation that we can walk in. So this is so so good. You guys, you know, we're going to have to do another, another episode with y'all because there are so many other questions and conversations (laughs) we can have. I want to ask you guys, is there any last thoughts you'd like to leave the listener today? Just be real. (laughs) Learn learn to appreciate, like take the time to find how how to build friendship with people. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen by one week. You don't get real super quick. Yeah. You know, you know, just like take, go on the journey. And that's what I had to learn to do when I stopped traveling. It's like, take the time. I just had, I methodically picked three guys that I thought I could be friends with and just went on the journey. And that's maybe the way that maybe I think as a guy, it's like, it wasn't like some emotional thought. It was just like, I need to start learning vulnerability, not just with fathers, I'd found it, but I needed to find it with friends. I needed to find another layer of vulnerability and take the journey as a prophetic people and don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Like I hear so many prophetic people say, nobody wants, you know, I've tried relationship and it doesn't work. No, it does work. It just takes work.
So take the time and do it and be humble and get a coach to help you learn where you're not being very easy to be around and very fun to be around and where you're hurting relationships and you think it's everybody else. Yeah. I I think for me, it would be just really be true to who you are and who God says you are. And dig in and find that for yourself, because I think it's so easy to take on, you know, what this person thinks of me and thinks I should be doing and what this person says and what this person says. And rather rather than just like really digging in with yourself and the Lord and saying, "Okay, God, like, what is it that you have for me? What do you see for my future? And I feel like, too, like things are seasonal. Like we've experienced that in our life. There are times and seasons and knowing what time and season you're in, I think is really important because um, if not, you can be, you know, putting the cart before the horse and it not be the right time and the right season for you. So have we pulled back from the nations and traveling and all of that for the season? Yes, absolutely. Are we going to be pursuing that and running hard after that in times to come? Yes, absolutely. So it's just knowing like we have a window of time right now that, God has said, you guys stay home primarily, focus on your family, focus on their health, pour in everything that you can into them so that they receive everything that they can in the season from you guys as parents so that they can take that and they're, you're setting them up for success basically. So I think that's just the thing is like, know your time, know your season, know what you're supposed to be doing and then be true to that. And you will see God's hand of blessing and reward and I don't know. I just think that that will catapult you into the next season that he has for you rather than holding you back. Come on. Well, you guys are such a wealth. You just have such a wealth of wisdom, both of you. And so can you tell a listener where people can follow you? They can glean from you and check out some of the resources that you guys have. We both have a Facebook group that you can jump into. Mine is called All Things Prophetic, and it's a great weekly Yes, easy starting point to get connected into my world. And then Heather's is. Yeah, I have a group called Truth, Lies, and Lattes. And we connect with the ladies. And there's. Hers is women only. Yeah, women, ladies Mm -hmm. only. And we connect, we pray together and just encourage one another. And it's just a group of people all over the world. So. Love to have you guys join us. Awesome. 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 We'll make sure to put that in the show notes so you guys can get connected with them. So once again, thank you guys for being on this episode. We got to do another episode because there's so much wisdom and other questions that we want to ask you guys. Once again, remember, family is where life begins, destiny is found, identity is enhanced, and love never ends. If this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to subscribe. And would you share this podcast with a friend or family member as it will help us to extend our reach? Thank you for listening to this show today. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. And this is Desiree Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.